0: This is episode number 15 with Miss Nevada 2013, Hillary Billings. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast, On today's episode, I bring you a girl who was hit by a faulty firework, but then used that situation for it to be one of the best things that could have ever happened to her. Hillary is one of the most adventurous people I've ever met. After finishing number one in her class at UNLV, she wasn't accepted into any graduate programs. She had this plan for her life, and then everything changed, which I feel like everyone can relate to on some level. Getting uncomfortable is what Hillary has done time and time again. She went to Fiji to spend time with a native tribe, and you won't want to miss that story. And she's continued to voluntarily submit herself into uncomfortable scenarios to allow herself to overcome fears and become a stronger version of herself. While you're listening, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me and Hillary on Instagram to let us know that you're listening. You can find more about Hillary and her upcoming work at hillarybillings.com. Now before we get into the episode, I want to ask you guys if you made any fitness goals for 2019. If so, how are they going? Are you on the right path? Is there someone who's holding you accountable? My one-on-one fitness coaching is something that I'm extremely passionate about. I help provide my clients the tools to help them achieve their own personal fitness goals with whatever equipment or the lack thereof that they have at their disposal. If you're interested in learning about the coaching and investing in your health and fitness journey, you can go to my website nickcarrier.com to learn more or just feel free to message me on Instagram and we can set up a call. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If so, go ahead and rate and review this podcast because when you rate and review the show, it can move up the ranks, which means more and more people get access to these tools, tips, and inspiration. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on being our best self today with Miss Nevada 2013, Hillary Billings. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm super stoked about today's interview. I got this amazing woman next to me, Hillary Billings, um, and she's going to provide you guys with some awesome value today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, um, and I want to kind of introduce you to everybody, um, kind of telling you a little bit about your past. You know, you're Miss Nevada back in 2013. Um, you're a published journalist in USA Today, Huffington Post, and, and many others. You're an on-air personality. Um, you used to work for E News, a bunch of all these different things. I don't even know how you keep your life straight, um, but obviously you're you're super successful. But Thank you. Um we were actually talking about it just just before off camera um but what I want to kind of start with is your story back after graduating college, because I think it's it's super fascinating that you went to UNLV, you know, you're yeah. from Las Vegas, Ooh. and you graduated number one in, the, in your class with yeah. three, nine, eight, only a 398, only A-minus was world history.
1: Yeah. <laughs> did, you remembered
0: that. I, I did, I did. <laughs> um, I hated world history, so I think it resonated with me. Um, and you did all these different things in college, and, and you know, when you're graduating, you probably seemed like you're going to go off and, and do these amazing things, and you yeah. applied to these graduate schools, and nothing. None of, no uh, graduate schools accepted you. So I want to kind of pick up there with your story and kind of what that was like getting rejected from the graduate schools and where you went from there.
1: Yeah, it was a soul-crushing experience at mm-hmm. the time because I was, I was so determined and so convinced that I would be going on and getting my PhD in clinical psychology. So at the time, uh, studying at UNLV, I got my degree in psychology focused on body image, eating disorders, and body dissatisfaction. I just thought it was such an interesting field. And uh, I, I slowly started getting these rejection letters back from every single school I applied to. And one of them was actually addressed to a different student, and they just crossed out their name and written mine in, and they'd also misspelled my name. Oh my gosh. So you want to talk about like double the uh, the feeling of rejection? There, I wasn't even worthy of my own rejection letter. They <laughs> had to. Recycle the paper. So, you know, after you spend so much time focused on one path and and being told that if you do these things, you will be successful, to not have that pan out, I didn't know what to do next. And suddenly my life was in shambles. So I, uh, I decided... To do what any normal graduate student or someone that has recently graduated would do. And I took off to Nicaragua and uh, started a travel blog. (laughs) So (laughs) I think I just watched Julie and Julia. And I'm like, well, this seems like as good an idea as any. And we'll just have this be a a long-form case study as to what happens when your life falls apart. And I booked this trip to Nicaragua uh, right before I graduated thinking it would be like my last hurrah And then it really turned out to be a a place where I I went to hide out from the world. And it was the best possible experience that I could have had because, I mean, I was totally wallowing in my own self-pity, but I was forced to be on this retreat with all these incredible women. And it was the first time in probably... In my adult life where I wasn't in direct competition with everybody that I was around. And and that was a unique experience. And it was also my first time recognizing that by being around other people of different skill sets, like when our power is united, kind of like Captain Planet, yeah. um, we could achieve amazing things. I didn't have to be everything to yeah. everybody. Did
0: that take you a while to kind of like switch that mindset from like trying to compete with everybody to mm-hmm. just being like, wait a second, that's not how we're supposed to go about this?
1: Yeah. I mean, even still in the moment, like I could feel my competitive Nature and spirit getting in the way of right. I got to be the first one to paddle out, and I got to get the most waves, and you know I got to be the first and last out, and and you know I have to have the most fun and the most adventure. And it's just like I turned everything into a, a freaking competition, and like what an exhausting mindset to be in. Um, yeah, it was, and and even like hearing about these other women and their and their life experiences and why they were there, it it was wonderful because I was the youngest on the trip. So I had the, uh, the extreme pleasure of getting to learn from their wisdom and their life experience and have them all be incredibly compassionate and understanding that this was, you know, one of the first times in my life where I'd faced a major, major rejection. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful moment. You know, I, one of my cabana mates, her name was Tale Jones and uh, she was Fijian. We were sitting on the beach one day and she's like, well, what would you want to do with your life? Like, you know, now that Graduate school is not on the table. Like, will you apply again? And what's happening? And I was so crushed. I'm like, I don't know if I can go back and do this again, but I love what's happening here. Like, I love this adventure. I love traveling. I love meeting people and having these conversations. Uh, I wonder if I could do more of that. And she's like, well, just do that for a living. I looked at her. I'm like, that's not a job. No mm-hmm. one's going to pay me to travel the world and like <laughs> meet people right. and have adventures. And, uh, And shortly thereafter, uh, she was killed in a car accident in Jamaica, like the week Mm -hmm. after we left the retreat. And it hit all of the women on the retreat so, so hard. And our friends at home didn't quite understand. And I think it's one of those situations when you are with a group of people in an unfamiliar environment doing something that's incredibly uncomfortable. You bond very quickly. And I, I took it really hard and I ended up finding her brother... Uh, on Facebook, I think it was, and sent him photos of her and stories, and thanked him for sacrificing time with her. And it was through this that I learned, you know maybe six months later, I, I the time I was still doing some traveling and and blogging and writing about what was going on in my life. And uh, he reached back out to me right around the new year. To thank me, but also to let me know that he's like, I don't know if she told you, but we're one of the chiefly families here in Fiji. There's three of them and they divide up uh, the Fijian islands as far as like areas that they reign over and we're part of the firewalker clan, uh, which claim to be the originators of the process of walking on hot coals. And we'd love to have you out uh, and to meet the family.
0: Like, I would have said nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at the time, I'm like, "There's no way I'm going to Fiji. Right. Like that's that's a honeymooners' vacation, and mm-hmm. I can't afford that." And and then the New Year happened, and I was continuing to to travel a little bit, and then go back to Vegas and work, and then take off again. And there was no like set plan, so I decided to look into flights. And before I knew it, I was headed to Australia and then to Fiji, and I began this adventure of. Nomadically living and traveling, and it was—it became the next two and a half years of my life. Was uh, going on all these crazy adventures, and suddenly uh, building up a loyal audience and fan base of readers and people that weren't just my direct family and friends. Right. Um, and and suddenly having readers in over a hundred countries that were sharing in the journey. That also. Had recognized and had stories of moments where life hadn't worked out the way that they thought either. Mm -hmm. And now, what do we do? And how do we, you know, find that balance between building a career and like building a life that we're proud of? Mm -hmm. And that was a really phenomenal experience. But it all started because of a rejection, and it took me a couple years to see the pattern of, you know, some of the most divine moments of my life have been based around something that went horribly wrong, and then just finding a way to embrace that adversity. And overcome that resilience and, and build that resiliency within myself uh, has proven to be an incredible resource. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, so what do you think? Let's go back there. Let's go to – I guess we'll start Nicar- Nicaragua. What do you think yeah. is the biggest lesson that you learned going down there with all those women?
1: I mean I think it's – you've just got to do what makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you've got to be incredibly supportive of others. Like the more – You can have amazing people around you that are also doing amazing things. And the more supportive you can be of that, the more joy that everyone has, the more you thoroughly enjoy every experience. And it it was great. Like there was nothing that... Aligned us in that situation, except for our desire to have an adventure. Like you had, you know, CEOs of major companies. Right. Everybody surfers. from different walks. Of yeah, life. yeah. And like we were all very different humans in different stages. One girl uh, was there for her 40th birthday, and she'd never been swimming before. Like she just learned how to swim. So her next thing was, I'm gonna, you know, learn how to surf. And then there was girls that had been, you know, on pro surf teams. And then you had women that owned their own businesses or photographers, and like just totally different groups of women, and yet we all were, you know, designed to have this adventure. And I think that that says a lot about like when you can find alignment on like a mutual desire of a a group of people, like that's where the magic happens. Um and we did insane things. Like we went, you know, horseback riding on the beach and you know, diving and surfing and we went volcano boarding down the world's most active yeah. cinder cone volcano oh, that's
0: really cool. during
1: a thunderstorm, which apparently is a terrible idea. Yeah, but we didn't tough. we didn't know afterward until afterwards oh that you're not supposed to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think that's a huge lesson just to learn with relationships in general. Yeah. Because I think you hear a lot of times that, you know, when you're starting a relationship with somebody, find the commonality. Mm-hmm. Find like you can be so different, but no matter what, you can probably find one thing in common that you can bond over and that you can at least spark the conversation from and then there's probably you can find some things more and more down the road. So I yeah. think that's a huge lesson just like outside of your particular experience for just life in general.
1: Well, and I think it's, you know, more than outside <clears throat> of it just being a commonality, it also needs to be a common goal. Like, <clears throat> you know, where are you working towards in your life and, you know, what what is the, the part of your characteristics that you're trying to hone and sharpen and I think when you can get alignment on that, like that's where the sweet spot is because it's not just... Uh, you know, like oh yeah, we, we all wanted to have adventure, but we were all willing to get super uncomfortable to achieve mm. this adventure. So and, that
0: was the goal, the common goal for you guys: yeah. get uncomfortable to yeah. to grow and do adventure,
1: right? Yeah, and and to have this this experience together without even knowing that we were going to do that. And when when you're able to find that within a group of people, uh, and and align on that. It's it's
0: pretty special. Okay, so you went to you ended up going to Fiji, obviously went with the Fiji. firewalkers. I did. Tell me a little bit about that experience. I'm fascinated.
1: Uh, it was it was so uncomfortable, which was amazing because yeah. it really forced me to grow. Um, you know, it, it was hard because of the circumstances, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, there was a lot of expectation when I arrived. I felt
0: you were there for about a month, right? A month, yeah. Okay
1: as to uh, what I could offer them in, in the ways and memories of of Talay and her life. And it was it was heartbreaking because, obviously, they missed her, and she had a lot of extended family. And right away, I think I've been there for three days, and I just made the journey. Like, you fly into Nandi, and then there's a long bus ride. It was like a four-hour bus ride around the coast of uh, the mainland to get to Suva, which is the capital city. And then, like, their island is uh, off the coast of Suva. I think I've been there for three days. And her father dies. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, he had been, you know, dealing with Parkinson's for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, But you know, the, the firewalkers and the Fijians in general are super uh, mystical and be- have a lot of mysticism surrounding their culture. And so anytime you go into a new village, you have to bring gifts to the elders and the elders then bless you and ask all of the ancestors and spirits that are around to protect you on their journey and keep you from witchcraft and voodoo and hexes. And so there's all these layers of additional faith-based uh beliefs that you you have to sift through on top of like women in some regards uh not being considered as high as men and like and that's based upon also like which family you fall into and like where you are within that lineage and so like Talay had a really strong lineage and her her niece was had a really strong lineage and her mother was from the firewalkers uh but other women within the tribe wouldn't hold that same type of clout so like learning all of this as well as the language and the customs and you know certain rules that couldn't have my hair back, couldn't wear hats. You know, Mm -hmm. women had to wear skirts, uh, long skirts and I wasn't allowed to be escorted, uh, anywhere, but I'm, I had to always have an escort uh, until like these blessings happened and uh, and then specific things had to happen within the ceremony. So all of this, I'm just like getting the basic foundation as yeah. to like, this is what life is like in Fiji and feeling really good about it. And, uh, and then he dies. And I remember being terrified that they were going to think that I was some sort of harbinger of death, having mm. met their daughter oh shortly before God. she died and now having met the father shortly before oh. he died. And I was sitting there and I had like an instant cup of coffee in my hands and like my hands were shaking and I didn't know if they were going to kick me out or put a hex on me or tell me to leave. And like, that wasn't the end of my trip. And, uh, the mother sat down across from me and said, you know, there must be something about you. That's incredibly comforting in times of uh, trauma and challenge. Which complete so
0: completely opposite. Yeah.
1: And she's like, and that was why Talay chose you to come here. So you will operate as she would have in her father's funeral and lucky for you funerals here in Fiji are 30 day processions. So the entire time I was there, was heavily, like, just enriched, just enriched with this beautiful experience and also very heavy and spiritual and uh, emotional of being the representation of, yeah. of Talé. And, and that put a lot of pressure on me. But I'm grateful for it because it's it's an experience that I couldn't have paid for or asked for otherwise. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure.
0: I mean, I feel like yeah. that uncomfortable experience Uncomfortable of an experience that you're just like submitted to and thrown into the yeah. sharks. Like, what? What do you think is the number one thing you learned about yourself being thrown mm. into that situation?
1: Oh man. <laughs> well, one, I, you know, that whole experience taught me that I'm I'm capable of a lot more than I thought that I was, and can handle a lot more. Um, and then more than that, that, and this might sound a little like woo, but that the universe uh, is always like conspiring in my favor. And there was just so many moments of coincidence. There were so many moments of like, I feel like I need to talk to somebody right now in this moment. And a stranger would turn around on the street and look at me and said, do you need help? Um, you know, I, I never felt like while there are moments of extreme, like, what am I doing here? And, you know, how do I handle the situation? Um, everything always had like an immediate resolve or some sort of like sign that like this was supposed to be happening. I mean, one night we had a Kava ceremony, uh, on Daki Benga, which is the island where uh, the firewalkers live and it was a major kava ceremony everyone from the village had come because they wanted to see this white girl that had come from america and i I had made children cry when i arrived because they'd never seen a white person before and they thought they i was scared or? they were scared of me they okay. thought i was a ghost and and like that's a unique position to be in right <laughs> yeah like,
0: i mean, <laughs> you are a ghost <laughs> Oh my gosh!
1: Um, and and the school teachers ended up coming to uh, to the ceremony, which I was told later was a very rare thing because school started so early. They never came to Kava ceremonies, but they too wanted to meet this American. So I sat next to uh, some of the school teachers, and one of them and I had this long conversation about like the differences between getting education on the island versus the mainland. And he told me the stories, like, well, you know, I used to teach on the mainland. And, you know, we have to give tests every quarter and we have a copy machine here on uh, the island and everything's generated or powered that turns off at nine o'clock on the dot. Right. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock powers off. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, But. In order to type up and print the tests, I have to take the boat into Suva. It's a a three-and-a-half-hour boat ride there, a a three-and-a-half-hour boat ride back, like in an open like canoe-style boat, no no sun protection, no nothing. And then he will go to an internet cafe and type up his test, print it off, and then bring it back and make copies. And the boat rides, I want to say, are like $13 each way, but the average minimum wage in Fiji is $0.25 an hour. So they save Mm – for their entire like semester or their quarters, and then they they take their day off and they go and they do this test. I mean, it's it's insane the amount of effort that goes into printing off a test for students. Yeah. When you think about, and, and I just became so like passionate about wanting to help them. And, and he asked me to come the next day to to speak at the school, which was like no pressure. First American they've ever met. Like I'm <laughs> just a representation of every human right. that lives in North America. But going to the school and, and, you know, all the kids learn, you know, four-part harmonies by the time they're 10 years old. Like, it's insane and beautiful singers. Um, And they all sing for me. But the school books that are, like, stacked in the corner are, you know, 20 years old, 10, 20 years old. So I came back to the house and I was like super motivated. I'm like, I got to do something. And like, what are we going to do? And okay, like we could get computers, we could get printers, but then we need to have some sort, of, we need, then we need internet and then we need generators. And then, okay, how are we going to get all this here? And I'm like logistically trying to figure it out. And, uh, Tali's mother is just laughing. I'm like, what, what's the deal? And she's like, it's fascinating because, you know, when Talé was coming back from her trip from meeting you and then going to Jamaica, uh, her next stop was to come to the school and she was going to be working at the school for the next year. (laughs) That's gotta be cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, a nice alignment moment and I'm still very much dedicated to, I, I am insisted that in my lifetime, I will find a solution for these school children and, and find a way to get them the resources that they need. So it's, it's been an incredible journey and yeah, that whole way through, um, I think the more I put myself in uncomfortable situations, the more I get to learn about myself. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, you recognize just the beauty of the world and how much there is to live for and as well as just how kind strangers can
0: be. Yeah. No, I think – and I think the – I mean, I think a lot of people here get into uncomfortable situations. and But I think the – one of the biggest things about it is – just being submitted into the situation, then you learn how to do it. Yeah. And like you were just thrown to the shark. So you didn't even yeah. necessarily have to make the conscious decision yourself. Yeah. You were just thrown. And then you're like, and then you just had to work through it no matter what kind of obstacle came. Yeah. Um, so now I want to go into, um, Leave Fiji, come yes, back to America. You get this. Uh, you go to this Fourth of July party, right? <laughs> and uh, go ahead and start telling that story a little bit. I'm gonna. I'll leave that to you.
1: Yeah, it was you know another moment of extreme challenge. So I'd gone to this party, and it was one of those weird days where uh, nothing was working out the way that it should and like everything was pointing to I, I shouldn't go to this party couldn't find my keys like I broke a glass I stepped on the glass and I couldn't find the clothes that I wanted to wear which at the time was just frustrating but in right. the end it turned out to be a blessing so I, I went to this party and I've never before been aversive or weird about fireworks I've always thought they were just fine and Uh, my friend and her family had purchased these illegal fireworks from an Indian reservation outside of uh, Las Vegas. And she was like lining them up and asked me to help her to like set them up. And I said, you know, I think I'm just going to sit over here. Like, God forbid something were to happen. Like, I don't want to be involved. And again, I've never had an experience before with them, but it's just something about it. I'm like, I don't want to be around this right now. So later on that night, uh, they lit off the first firework of the evening and the fuse went up and nothing happened. And so everyone got really quiet because it's a bad sign and, uh, and no one really knew what to do. And then suddenly the, the whole thing exploded, but in like, not in like the pretty way with like all the, like beautiful sirens and like glitter lights. It's just like the fuse backfired and like blew up in the air and, it, to me, it was slow motion, but like the fuse, which was like on fire and crackling, came, you know, flying through the air, and then it curved around like thirty feet later and ended up hitting my sunglasses and went down my shirt, and so I ended up suffering second and third degree burns to my chest and my stomach, um, and I don't remember. I remember like seeing the the fuse and like turning my head and having it like bounce down my body, Um, but I- and somehow I ended up on the floor and I'm like shaking out my shirt and. Uh, going to the ER right away, and you know, doctors didn't know what my healing time was going to look like. They didn't know if I'd look normal. The chest is the slowest healing part of the body.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Kesa, uh, you yeah. wanted to know? <laughs> a little biology lesson there. Yeah. Uh, so my face looked fine in like a week because that's the fastest healing part of the body, but I had all these surf trips planned, and I was going to be like going back out to the West Coast and you know seeing all of the girls from uh, Nicaragua again and going on these surfaris, and everything had to be canceled. And, you know, suddenly I was just a up in Vegas healing and, mm-hmm. you know, like wearing clothes was difficult seatbelts. I was a dancer at the time and did like swing dance and tango and ballroom. And like, I couldn't have any con- like contact sleeping. I mean, nothing like even just wearing a T-shirt was excruciatingly painful. Um and it was fascinating to me at that point for an, a number of reasons. One, I had just gotten back from having this experience with the Firewalkers and, uh, you know, that claim to be able to not have any uh, sort of effect by fire. And also the women in the tribe, the lesser known fact, um, claimed to have the healing properties to be able to heal anybody that's been burned. And I experienced it while I was there, like I had a terrible sunburn on like half my body from uh, a bad bus ride where like half my body was in okay. shade and half was in, was like sun. It was only for like 45 minutes, but like you're right there in the middle of the sunshine in, in Fiji. And, and they ended up, I, I looked normal the next day. It was insane. But to, to go from a, a situation where I was protected from fire to suddenly like had this trial by fire, um, and to have gone from getting my degree in body image and working in eating disorder treatment clinics and helping others overcome, uh, their issues with their personal body image to suddenly having my own and not knowing if I was going to ever feel feminine again or feel beautiful. Uh, it was a really interesting, like ironic turn of events, I felt, but I was even so grateful because of like some weird choices that I made with my clothing, like I couldn't find the right bra. So I ended up wearing this like super over padded bra that was really uncomfortable, but the firework ate through the whole damn thing. And so if it hadn't been there, like the damage would have been so much worse. And I mean, so starting to feel grateful for those moments while also still throwing myself a fabulous pity party. Um, and no one knew where I was aside from those that were specifically around me in that moment in time, like my close friends and my family. Uh, so I was still blogging about previous travel experiences. I felt like a total imposter. And you know, the new year rolled around again, and I, I think I'd been hired for some modeling gig. Put on this like super swanky little cut dress, and I'm like, oh, I feel fabulous. And then I turned around and looked at myself in the mirror, and I saw the scarring, and I just broke into tears. And in that moment, I decided I can't do this anymore. I, I refuse to uh, be victim of my circumstances, and I need to do something to get myself out of this. So. At the time, on my blog specifically, I talked a lot about putting pe- yourself and, and people in uncomfortable situations and finding a way to make them comfortable mm-hmm. as a way to find self-growth, like particularly related to travel. But I figured, what else could I do that would you know emulate that, that value set? And nothing sounded more uncomfortable than being on stage in a bikini and having someone judge me based upon my appearance. So right. I decided to enter a beauty pageant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to I know a little bit more about that decision because there was no way it was just like... At the snap of a, at the drop of a hat, at the snap of a finger, you were like, "This is it." Like, tell me more about that thought process of like, obviously you want to submit yourself into an uncomfortable situation, but tell me a little bit more about the mindset about doing that.
1: So the the funny thing is right before I left for Fiji, I had been working on a movie set and I met this really incredible woman who was a former uh, Miss Nevada, United States or USA and uh, America title holder. And so she was, she was double the Miss Nevada and she was really emphatic at that time. She's like, Oh, I need to get you into pageantry and you'd be so great. And I laughed at her. And I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm yeah. smart. I'm sorry. I have ambitions and like real goals. And I had such a terrible, my own on yeah them. on pageantry and women that competed. And and she and I became fast friends over the next couple of months. And as I got to know her more and see how intelligent she was and how funny she was and how ambitious she was, you know, my opinion on pageantry started to change. And like clearly she'd found a lot of value in it. So my exposure had started like right before these like life-changing, perspective-changing experiences. And, you know, when I made the decision that I'm going to do this, like she found the pageant and she's like, I'll coach you through this. But I did it like on a prayer. And the whole time, like once I, I made, I took the action step and I committed and I signed the paperwork and I put it on a deposit. And then I freaked out. Yeah. Oh, I bet. (laughs) But you did it. I did it. And it was, I mean, every night I was having these terrible nightmares of like being on stage naked and like tripping over like random chords and like, you know, going to do the bikini preliminary. I don't have a bikini on. Oh my gosh. It was, it was terrifying. And then I didn't, I didn't enjoy anything about the preparation process. Like everything was a burden to me. Um, And I, and that was my own like choice. Looking back on it now, like I had chosen to have this like rough experience to get there. But when I finally showed up to compete, that's when I think everything really set into emotion of, oh, this is actually a wonderful thing because I started to meet the other girls and their stories were inspiring. Like I thought I was the only one that was mm-hmm. there to better myself, right? right? And then you meet women that were previously homeless. And so they were there to advocate on the hack of other homeless youth, or they had a brother who was addicted to drugs, and they wanted to work with youth that had addictions, or, you know, they were part of brothers, big brothers, big sisters. I mean, every single girl that was competing had a reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, I'd say that you know, when you think of like large scale pageantry, there's going to be somebody that matches that pageantry stereotype, much like, you know, on a team of football players, there's going to be some guy that matches that jock stereotype. Right. right? But overall, like I was so inspired and so impressed by the, the caliber of women and why they were there and why they were doing what they were doing that it reminded me of why I was there. Yeah. And and that was beautiful. And then being able to communicate that to judges and, you know, said, look, this is my plan for the year and here's what I want to do and here's why I want to leverage this. And I want to be able to show other burn survivors that you don't have to be flawless to feel beautiful and, you know, work with the burn foundation, work with the burn Institute, can't be on the scars. And I'm, when they announced my name, I thought it was a mistake because <laughs> I, w- I was convinced I bombed my onstage question. Um, and it turned out to be a wonderful, incredible experience. And my first runner up that year to this day is still one of my closest friends. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool.
0: What was the hardest part during that whole the whole competition part after, after having actually submitted yourself in?
1: Uh, you know, as far as preparing for it or? No, like, as, as far as, as the
0: actual competing part of it.
1: I think the hardest part is staying out of your head. Okay. Because.
0: Like, what was the self talk like when you were. Yeah,
1: in I mean, it's, it's tough. Self
0: deprecating kind of thing? Yeah, well,
1: you're seeing these other incredible. It goes back to that like, whole comparing, you know, like you're only one girl can win, mm-hmm. right? And so you're all there going after this one thing, and you have a panel of judges, and you don't know what their their criterion is, and you don't know what they're looking for, or what they've been instructed to look for, or, you know, if you even have the right body shape, physical strength. Like, you just don't know what, what they're looking for, like within the value add throughout the year, as well as physicality. And that alone will get in your head because you want to try to figure it out to be, but the trick is, and I've learned, and as I've continued to coach other women through this process, it's not about trying to be what you think they want. It's presenting yourself in the best possible package of here's who I am and here's what I can offer. And here's the value add and anything that you think that they could take as a negative, you spin it into a positive.
0: I think that that takeaway right there is, Unbelievable that that like don't try to be yeah what you think they want you to be be yourself because I think that especially in our world today with social media and with I have so much content in our faces yeah. of all these great people and all the great things that yeah. we're doing we think that we need to do exactly what that person's doing or look exactly that way or be exactly right. that way when it's like no like being the best version of yourself is just like being one hundred percent you truly you and just trying to upgrade that person every single day
1: yeah and I think the upgrade point is incredibly valuable because I think oftentimes, you know, you hear someone say like, Oh, just be yourself. And like, you hear it so much, it becomes a cliche and that, and the value of that gets lost. Mm of like, Oh great. Like I'm being myself and no one likes me. So clearly it's like, no, it's like, it's, it's not only it's being the best version of yourself and it's portraying the best version of yourself and communicating why that best version of yourself has a strong value add. Like if, if you can magnify your uniqueness and then you can showcase and communicate to others, how that magnification, Magnification of your uniqueness will benefit whatever it is you're going for whether it's for a pageant title for a job interview I mean if you're able to take that set and showcase that and communicate it like you can win any game mm-hmm. essentially so and that was that was a big lesson for me and especially at nationals right because you're competing against these women that have had months of experience on you maybe years of experience in competing they certainly had a lot more resources than I could have ever hoped to have in that moment uh, and I had you know zero experience and no idea what I was doing on and, and essentially competed on a budget and a prayer of like the, the kindness of others to help me get there. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. But, you know, to to walk in and immediately start comparing myself as other women, it was like, that was what killed my competition on the national level. And I right. know that. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, the hardest thing is with anything, especially when you want it, mm-hmm. is staying out of your head. Yeah, I
0: like the, I like the phrase that you use to magnify your uniqueness. Right. Well, how do you think that people find their uniqueness? and what it is about them that makes them special?
1: I think there's a lot of things. One, it's it's looking at your life experience. And, and you know, I have a wonderful mentor named Roy Vaden who actually lives here in Nashville. And he's always talking about, like, how to – there's this algorithm for figuring that out. And the first thing he always talks about is, like, what have you had results in? Like, where is your life experience and where, where have you built – a name for yourself and, and through that and then what's your mission and like what do you want to be doing with that and so then you you start to piece and maybe it's even just like doing a giant whiteboard brains you know storm session where you sit down and you write out every single success that you've had every single monumental experience and then you look and you start to, to look at this umbrella of possibilities it's like how are these connected and what is it about you know like and at the time being a travel blogger um, I was spending some time doing lion taming uh, and working with a lion sanctuary out in Vegas, you know, interviewing, eventually getting to interviewing with USA Today and then being a beauty queen. It's like my go-to joke was like, I bet you don't know any other like lion taming Miss Nevada travel bloggers, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so like, and that was my uniqueness at the time. And it's always going to be evolving. Like our identities are always changing because we're always growing, uh, hopefully. And, you know, our life experience is, is going to continue to become richer. So yeah, I, I think it's starting with like looking at the slate of everything that you've done, And like, what are some specific things that you can tag onto that are part of your identity and what's made you that will also provide extreme value to other people? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where that alignment happens. If it's not just... What makes you unique in the sense of like, oh, he's a, a blonde from you know Atlanta, yeah. and you know is really interested and has a podcast. Like, you, there's something about your story that mm-hmm. makes you so unique because of the fact that you are taking the time to propel your mission forward, right. And for the benefit of others, like, and that's where the that's where the alignment happens.
0: Yeah. So, I'm going, staying on the kind of uniqueness topic, I think a yes. lot of people probably. Can kind of feel some kind of uniqueness within them, yeah, but that they might feel is something that they don't want to unleash, or they kind of feel like it's not what or it's not what uh, what their uniqueness should be, and they're kind of afraid to express that. Did you ever have any kind of like you said you kind of bragged that I was this lion taming Miss Nevada um, girl, and did you, have, did you ever have any moment where you're like afraid to kind of express your u- uniqueness, and if not, like what would you say to people who are?
1: Of course. I mean, I I think we're always afraid of what others, I think, especially when you're in a world that's all around beauty and looks. And, you know, when I started working on the red carpet, like you're always afraid of what others are going to think of you. And like a lot of my career has been about other people's opinion of my work. And Uh, And that's a a scary place to be because we all want the certainty. So I think it comes down to like you have to live in a place of of faith that you have a value add. And it's ensuring that you bring that to the table even if someone disagrees or doesn't like – or, you know, what you're working on or doesn't think that it's of value. But, like, you have to know and affirm your own self-worth and value always. And especially now because we are in such a, a an interesting world of social media mm-hmm. where, like, the automatic response is for people to criticize and, and to demean and dehumanize. Especially um, if someone's having any sort of success in it. And it's like, oh, well, it's just a YouTube video or this person's just doing that. Right. And, like, they'll add in that word just to, like – make it less of a success. Um, yeah. I, and I, I'd say like you start with finding uniqueness and it's got to be something that you're really passionate about and that you want to like make your life around and you just continue to grow. And then also the good news is, is that once you start magnifying that uniqueness, uh, and putting yourself out there it can be incredibly scary but it also starts like sending out these vibes to other people in the mm-hmm. world and yes like you you're probably going to lose some friends in that process because not everyone is meant to be in your life while you're growing but it's also going to attract the right tribe of people that yeah. think that's really cool not that want to help you that are also doing similarly unique things right and and that is also where a great alignment happens because you you start to recognize Instead of trying to please the people that are in your proximity and you know keep yourself small and to please them and make them happy about what they're not doing in their lives. And by putting yourself out there, it's going to be a lonelier road. But in the end, you're going to have so much more energy and satisfaction and fulfillment because you're connecting with the right people. Gotcha.
0: No, I think that's, so that's awesome. the nice and I thing. I, I think I just went like a total tangent. No, no, 100%. <laughs> um, you, just, you just expanded on it. But I do. Yeah. I want to go back to the, the part where you said I think you got to have faith, and you got to um, reaffirm to yourself that yeah. uniqueness is of value to other people. How do you think you do have faith, and how do you think you like? What's a practice of reaffirming to yourself that you are a person of value, and your you, your uniqueness is of value?
1: So again, I you I think the starter is you have to sit with and determine like what it is that you're valued. So if we go back to the pageant situation, right? Like in your interview, essentially they're they're sussing you out to determine whether or not you're going to be the right candidate for them, and so they do that by asking you a series of questions that they feel irrelevant to determine if you're the right title holder. And every year, depending upon the panel and the desires of that director, it's going to be a different set of questions in a different direction. And um, you know, I think one of the concerns that came up was, well, you've never competed before and you never had a title, and you know. It, should that be a concern for us that you've never done this before? And so the spin is no, the value add is that. I am new blood and I have access to a range of women who also have never competed in pageants before. And like, you're going to be able to grow and expand your business by being able to showcase that you, one, have crowned a girl at number one or competed before in her life. And that is possible versus it being a game of politics. And two, can now speak to on behalf of your organization, what a great program this is to women that probably wouldn't have considered it prior. And like, and so that's the value add, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you take whatever it is that you're looking at and you might think at the time that it's uh, you know, like, okay, I get told a lot, especially on dates, like, you're just so tall. And I'm like, you're right, I am. And it's like, and my long legs, like keep me going all day, I can reach the top shelf anywhere yeah. I want, like, my, my legs have a value add if I want them to, they can also have, you know, a retraction if somebody wants to tell me that I'm too tall, like, and or, you know, if I'm on an airplane, and trying to fit into like a regular class C, like, it's, it's like trying to fit a spider into, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it could be a negative if I wanted it to be, but it's all in the semantics. And so I think that's what it comes down to is like, look at everything, all of your positive attributes, everything that you want to build in your future, and even the things that you feel would be objections and then find a way to turn all of those into value adds. Okay. Well, you're a really sensitive person. Well, that means that I'm incredibly compassionate and I care for others and I utilize empathy, right? Right. I'm, I talk a lot. Well, I'm a really strong communicator and right. I care about having that interaction that understanding between people. So like even the fact that I'm a chatty Cathy is a value add. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all in how you spin it. And yeah. if you can believe the spin, which you should because there is truth in it, then you're able to communicate that value add. I, I recently uh, gave a talk at the University of Colorado about this specifically. And like I had two columns and one's like disempowering language and one is empowering language. And it's like, I suck. I'm the worst. Like, this is the worst thing that could happen in my life. And in the other column, it's like, well, I'm learning. It's like, I suck and I'm learning. Same thing, right? Like, you're not good. Same at, experience. Yeah, like, you're, you're not doing you're not doing well at this. But, hey, guys, you're going through the same exact thing in your life. It's just which perspective you choose to have, right? I suck at it. i will never going to do that. And you could go down that road if you want to. But what's the benefit? So I think it comes down to making – just you have to spend that time. Yeah. Make the list. No, figure it out. That. And then s- switch the language. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just moving it to neutral, like this is the worst experience that it might ever happened in my life. And this guy broke up with me and I'm heartbroken. And, or I could be like, well, that's not ideal. Yeah, or like, I didn't totally. see it going this way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like right. it, it could just be that, like, gotcha. it doesn't have to be when we start attaching those strong emotions to those words is what really disempowers ourselves from being able to be resilient and keep going. So yeah, that that's what it's about to mm-hmm. me is finding the semantics that go with whatever it is that yeah. you want to position.
0: That's cool. So you go into you go into Miss Nevada as kind of like almost like a, a challenge to yourself, yeah. and then you um, you you know you promote the burn, promote the burn foundation, and that's kind of your mission going through it yeah. to show women that you don't have to be flawless to be beautiful. Yeah, and then so after having won it, what's kind of like your mission? for your platform moving forward in terms of what you wanna make happen in the world and create?
1: So, you know, right after I won, like we hit the ground running and working with the burn Institute and I went out to camp beyond the scars to serve as a a summer camp uh, ambassador for the children that are burn survivors. Uh, And it's a summer camp that's run specifically by firefighters and burn unit nurses. And like no one else is allowed because the cases they seem are so extreme, but it's really the only time where these kids can be kids because everyone has burned. So it's not like, oh my God, what's wrong with this kid, right? Um, And there was something so special about being a part of that. And so immediately, like hitting these markers with my platform. um, Now, shortly thereafter, I was crowned. I think I had six weeks to turn around from the day I was crowned to when I left for nationals. Like we're – Nevada is notoriously one of the last pageants we just went straight in. And so also within that time, I was just running, hitting the ground, trying to fund and get myself to nationals. And every state is different as far as how that works. And um, if funding and sponsorships are available, and it was my director's first year. So we were really just like scrapping to get there. And once nationals happened, um, that's when I felt like my year really began. Because up until that point, you know, that, that fulfilled one of the major duties of the year. It's like once you've done nationals, like you can ride it out. Um, but for most other title holders, that was like the last thing that they were doing in their year. Like they, they had been crowned maybe six or seven or eight months ahead of me. Um, and for me, that really kicked it off. Now, the irony for me was that I, I competed in the bikini preliminaries at nationals a year to the day that I was burned. Shortly thereafter, um, I won some major blogging award in Las Vegas and then USA Today called and they were interested in setting up a trial run with me being their Las Vegas local insider and uh, starting a series of articles for them. So we began that process in August, right after I got back, um, and then right away they were assigning me to host red carpets and to see if we could make this work. And I'd never done any of those before, but I'm like, yeah, of course I can do interviews, and that'll be fine. And and then that experience and working with USA Today really maximized what my year looked like okay. and and gave me the opportunity. To be able to do so much more uh, with the title and get so much more exposure for it, not only on a national level but locally within Vegas, working with so many different organizations. I mean, I think I was averaging three or four appearances a week. Wow! Um, and anytime I was doing a red carpet, I was in Sash and Crown, which was kind of fun because celebrities like that, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're like a, you're kind of one of us," and right. like, "Let's go talk to you." Miss Nevada's here, and like, we want to talk about Nevada. I remember we were running late to the iHeartRadio. Music festivals, day two, like we got caught up in security and they were just like being really stingy about going through all of our bags of equipment. And so we're running in and they am like, oh, like Hanson just left. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I go running out of, my, and my camera guy is setting up and trying to get everything going for whoever's coming next. And I go running down the hallway and like six inch heels. And I hear this publicist ask like, hey guys, so uh, Today just got here um, and Miss Nevada wants to know if she can interview you. And I think it was Isaac was like, Miss Nevada and I'm like right here and I actually like literally ran into them in the hallway oh, wow. as they were turning around and I'm like yeah hi and I'm like breathing really heavy I'm like can we just like have you come back and like do a quick And you know, one second I'm just like did it press my breath and they were wonderful and they came right back and it was it was great but there was definitely some perks to having the title at the time oh, I bet. yeah, <laughs> sure, seriously. so I'd say probably you know one of the best things about my year though was the day that I gave up my title because we had triple the number of entries uh, from the year prior that it were competing, and we had women from all walks of life. Like we had lawyers and business owners and publicists. I mean, it was incredible to see the range of women that were now competing for the title because they were able to see what was possible within it. And we've since had that continuous momentum where the women that are competing have business plans and they have direction and they're they're totally ambitious and working towards amazing things in their lives. And it's great to to be able to see. What leveraging a title can do not only for myself, but for the benefit of other women, which yeah. is great.
0: No, that's awesome. And so now you're, tra- you're starting to build this brand called Red Carpet...
1: Confidence. Red
0: Carpet Confidence. Red Carpet awesome.
1: Confidence. Very nice.
0: good. And so what's the... I love the, love the title. Let's Thank what's you. Called. Thank you. Um, so, so what's your goal behind Red Carpet Confidence?
1: You know, as I started doing uh, more celebrity interviews and, and writing more of these pieces, I started to notice that there was this major disconnect between what was being showcased in the media and what was really happening ah. in real life. And not so much in the sense of the media's lying about what's happening, but they're choosing to cover uh, or focus on certain topics because clickbait headlines, they get more readership, you know, it's, it's more gossipy and people want to know that. Um, but what was being left out, I felt was some, some really important substance about these people and how they were dealing with their lives. And it's like, wow, I, like, I didn't know that you too dealt with anxiety and perfectionism or struggle with depression. And it's, it's interesting when you see that and these celebrities that are put up and, and magnified in such an amazing way. Um, and I, I wanted to start bridging that gap, especially when you see on social media, you know, we have an increase in depression levels across the board, increase in anxiety. The more social media you use, the more disconnected you feel from the people around you. Right. And then we have, of course, this uh, total craze of tearing each other down and being awful. You know, I had my first video get a million views over the summer and to see some of the comments that went with it was incredibly disheartening. And when I'm looking at it, it's like, I am, you know, a full grown adult woman who is incredibly successful. And I recognize that this person's opinion of me doesn't mean anything in the sense of my my life's value add. And yet it still bothers me right. that they've chosen to, you know, make some terrible comment about my hair, my makeup, or, you know, the monologue that I wrote or how I edited the video. And, and then I think about, what other kids, you know, teenagers are going through being exposed to this on a daily basis and trying to get acceptance from their peers. And, you know, unfortunately there are too many studies now that show that an increase in social media use in teens leads to an increase in suicide, especially among young women. So I want to be a part of the counterculture that stops that from happening and showcases that, you know, these people, on their way to success and while they're being successful don't necessarily have it easier because i think that's a common misconception it's Mm -hmm. like oh if you reach a certain level or you have a certain amount of money your problems go away or you know i i will feel good about myself once i have you know this status or i need this in order to live a fulfilled life and i want to showcase um not only these trials and tribulations to like level the playing field a little bit, but also to uncover some of the the different tips and tricks and coping skills that these people have utilized yeah. to be able to get through these things. Because I think another thing that we're lacking right now is coping skills as yeah, a generation. No doubt. So uh, yes, yeah, so red carpet confidence, the podcast series, all about talking with high achievers, uh, you know, pro athletes, celebrities, reality television stars, uh, famous designers, CEOs. Uh, that have all overcome incredible challenges and just kind of almost like
0: it. expose and reveal like the challenges yeah. that they've gone through. Yeah,
1: and you know, and while we're celebrating all the wonderful things that they're oh, successful yeah. for, um, also just determining how they kept persisting and what made them not want to quit. Uh, And then through this, I'm also building out uh, a web a webinar series as well as a one on one coaching business, all around helping people overcome their feelings of inadequacy Mm because I believe it's a it's a major problem that our generation specifically uh, struggles with, and I want to help.
0: Yeah. Well, I have just a few more questions to ask before wrap things up. But I'm kind of I'm interested in the you know the topic of inadequacy because we talked a little bit beforehand about how that's you feel like that's kind of your maybe your major your uh, biggest challenge. Yeah. So was there any was there ever a point you know, it can either be during the Miss Nevada competition or just now during yeah. your everyday constant grind of, of what you're working on. Yeah. Is there any point where either in Miss Nevada or now that you like feel like you want to quit and like you just get super down on yourself and and how do you overcome that?
1: I mean, yeah, I think we all have days where it's just like it's not worth getting out of bed today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful that as I've gained in resiliency and life experience, those don't happen nearly at the frequency that they used to. And, you know, I, before college, which we really didn't get a chance to get into, um, I went through a lot of loss. I I had lost a lot of friends to suicide and loved ones to suicide. And so what I recognized through that process, and as I've gotten older and I've studied psychology and I've studied coping skills and I've lived a life by fire, uh, literally (laughs) in so many regards is that, uh, there is nothing, worth getting that upset over as far as, I mean, and, and I might have moments of like, I'm going to put this down for right now and maybe it's worth it for me to walk away. And I, I always reserve the right with anything to walk away. I think we always should. Um, but it also will show you your priorities. Like usually all I'm looking for in that moment is a, is a break and a chance to get out from underneath the pressure. Uh, the miss Nevada thing. Yeah. There was moments, I think at national specifically, because you're tired, you're hungry, you're getting little sleep, you're stressed out, you know, you're constantly being judged everywhere where you go. Ago, and I had no idea how to deal with that. Like there was, I think a couple times and it sounds like such a, it's a quality problem to have. Like I'd be on the bathroom floor, like crying because I didn't want to like take another shower and get another two hours of sleep and wake up and do it again moment. Um, and now I look back at that and it's like, it's, it's funny to me because it was just part of the experience of getting there and grinding it out and getting through that. Um, but, you know, we were talking before I came on the show about my recent experience at the Tony Robbins Date with Destiny event. And I think that entire experience has shifted how I look at those, like, I can't go on, I'm going to quit moments, because the reality is, as if your needs are being met. And your values are in alignment and you make the rules easy for your game to be winnable, then life becomes about just having progress. And if you're able to make the game winnable so you can feel love, you can feel joy, you can feel fulfillment without it being attached to achievement, which I think was my major mistake growing up, um, is I always attach my identity to achieving that. When you make the game winnable to feel all the wonderful things there is to feel in the world, um, and then you can just focus on the achievement as part of the growth and life process, and then it becomes exciting, and there isn't as much pressure. And I, at first, I had this misnomer that if I didn't put all this pressure on me and I didn't attach all these extreme consequences to my achievement, then I wouldn't achieve. And now I'm recognizing it's just a bunch of BS that I've told myself uh, to keep me from having to really pick apart these these structures, these mental structures that I put into place. So the beautiful thing about helping others with overcoming inadequacy and and their adversities and building coping skills is my life has been a study of that, yeah. and I, I oh can speak yeah. from you know first hand experience. Right. And it's funny because I don't think a lot of people would believe that a Miss Nevada or a red carpet host would struggle with inadequacy, or you know that celebrities that I'm dealing with and talking to are struggling with inadequacy and those feelings of needing to constantly achieve and move forward and push forward to to stay relevant.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So I always ask the um, same last two questions, everybody. So the second to last one is I always throw out the age number. So Uh how, so how, uh, how old are you right now? If you do don't I have m-
1: to answer? <laughs> <laughs> I just turned 30.
0: Okay. Just turned awesome, 30. <laughs> awesome. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank um, you. So you just turned 30. Yeah. And obviously you're, you know, doing this red carpet confidence. You yeah. do a million different things. Yeah. You have all these goals, it's just things you want to do, things you want to create, webinars you want to do. Yeah. Um, put yourself 10 years down the road. Sorry, at 40 years old. 40 years um, old. What does okay. 40-year-old Hillary Billings done? What is she doing? Um, what she accomplished?
1: Oh, I... I I love this game and I also – it's funny because having spent so much of my life building out these like five and ten year plans and and knowing how life works now and that it's always a beeline and never a straight line, um, I love to amuse and think about where I will be, but I also know it's probably going to be way off the mark, but what I do know, and I'm very confident is for certain is that where I will be in 40 years, uh, is incredibly successful because my life will be full of joy and full of happiness. And I will be making a massive impact, helping those around me, uh, not only overcoming confidence, but pursuing the goals that they want in their life, uh, you know, continuing to be a storyteller. Um, hopefully there's a book involved in a, in a television series. And, you know, I, I, I want red carpet confidence to really, really, really take off and have this ability to provide information in a community around the world. Um, And I know that regardless of what, the end result looks like there will be fulfillment and growth and constant adventure and meeting amazing people and surrounding myself with an incredible tribe and being that tribe for other people and helping to connect them because that's what life is all about. So, um, and we're going to look good doing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, I like, I like your answer and I'm a huge believer in that. It's not an A line, it's a B line. Yeah. Um, but I always, I always like asking that question because I, while you make a plan and, and life changes and yeah. it's not going to be what you necessarily thought it was going to be. Yeah. I do feel like there's, you've got to have some sort of direction and obviously you do with kind of your mission and everything like that. Well, before there's I like- a
1: whole vision, those vision boards and all, all mission statements. I mean, it's, it's yep. pretty detailed out. Yeah. Very it's going to be amazing. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to acknowledge you for a second for, Taking hold of these negative situations you. as you've gone through, um, you know, even we, we didn't get into it, but your losses from mm-hmm. before college. Then you go to college, you do great, don't get into graduate school, and then you take hold of that situation and you and you learn from your situations in Nicaragua. Nicaragua. You go to Fiji, and then you have this terrible situation with the firework, and then you have the the courage to get uncomfortable and I don't like I feel like very 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 few people would have the courage to be able to do something like that to get that uncomfortable and submit themselves to a situation so I really want to acknowledge you for how strong of a woman that you were to be able to do that and to be able to try to spread that message to other other people to allow them to do the same for themselves.
1: Thank you. So I think you. that's great. And thank you for what you're doing. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate yeah, it. Good um, team. <laughs> awesome. So we're, you're starting um, Red Carpet Confidence. Yes. Tell people a little bit where they can find you on social media, how we can support you moving forward, and all the things that you're working on.
1: Absolutely. You can find me on all the socials Hillary Billings, that's H I L A R Y, Billings, like Billings, Montana, uh, HillaryBillings.com, redcarpetconfidence.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I also have a ton of funny, humorous videos you can check out. On Facebook, if that interests you. <laughs> and uh, all the information for the podcast will be on my website. You can subscribe there uh, and also for email updates or if you're interested in the confidence webinars or one on one coaching.
0: Yeah. So, what's the first thing that's going to come out confidence wise in podcasts or the webinars or, or what? What should people be in the lookout for? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's going to be a combination. So, we're going to start with around I'm the a, same time. Yeah. I'm going to okay. be putting out a bunch of free content um, initially to get the ball rolling as well as, uh, you know, or building up the, the interviews right. Now And getting all that situated. So when we launch uh, season one of the red carpet confidence interviews will be live as well as the blog and uh, videos that you can uh, subscribe to to receive. And then webinars will be up next as well as the one on one coaching. Very good. It's all
0: All very exciting stuff. (laughs) That's awesome. You got to be (laughs) pumped. I am. Um, Well, cool. Last question that I always ask everybody is. You know, we've, we've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but we're all on, I think we're all on the constant journey of life, and that yeah. journey looks different for every single person. But I think we're all trying to become the best version of ourselves. We're always yes. trying to be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. But we talked about earlier how it is unique for every single person, trying to magnify that uniqueness and trying to upgrade our true self every single day. Right. So, what I want to ask for you personally is if you could do or work on three things to get closer to the best version of yourself? What are three things that you could do personally or work on? A
1: patience, I think, is number one. I, I'm i highly impatient when I want something. I want it to happen. And I think part of that is just the world that we live in. And part of it is my incredible ambition and just wanting to to achieve right away. And I'm learning to enjoy the process more. Uh, I think second being flexibility, uh, both in my body and in my mind and to how something needs to look. And I'm really grateful. I've made a lot of progress on this past year, but continuing to uh, be flexible in the approach. Um, and then I would say... Enjoying more of the curiosity that comes with challenges, I think. While I know that I can get through anything, and I I'm certain that regardless of whatever I face in my life, I will be able to overcome it. I mean, I've you know taken a firework to the chest. I've tamed lions. I'm fine. Like everything's <laughs> gonna be okay. But instead of it being a moment of like oh crap or or having it be a. Something that initially hits with a shock, instead having it hit with a curiosity. Um, and so I, it's more of like this Alice in Wonderland approach of like, what wonderful upside down world have I landed myself in today? And I think that the more that I can incorporate the patience, the flexibility, and the curiosity, uh, one, the more wonderful adventures I can have, uh, the more I can explore and experience. And at the end of the day, it's going to be an incredible
0: tale. I really like the curiosity one because I think that the most popular motivational inspirational thing to a negative situation is just you know flip it to a positive right. or like just get over it and overcome it but i think it, it's more realistic for people to hear be curious about it and be like why did that happen and, and like maybe what can i can do moving forward
1: yeah i think if you start looking at your life as like one giant science experiment <laughs> and it's like okay well i had this hypothesis and that didn't work out so what could be the new hypothesis or given the information that we've now received
0: you're showing off your nerd. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i'm showing off my nerd, yes But I I think there's something to be said about, like, one, it takes the pressure off, like, needing to succeed or get it right the first time. And when you think about how much of life has one happened by accident and these incredible things that happened from, like, vaccinations and discoveries and, I mean, so much of it has there been – not on purpose or because they were going after something else, but they had the the foresight to take a moment and look at what was happening over here. And I think that the more that we can do that and say, this is interesting. It wasn't what I thought was going to happen, but like, "What what's this experience that I'm having? And the more we can do that, I think the more we're going to be able to magnify exactly what that uniqueness is and mm-hmm. be open to what the universe is trying to show us in our journeys.
0: Very good. Well, that's all we got. I appreciate so you coming put in. Put on already. those lab coats, guys. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now it's time to act. Leave a like and a comment on YouTube. Subscribe to that page. If you're on iTunes, leave it a 5-star review. Help the show move up the ranks so more and more people can get access to it. Feel free to take a screenshot of this episode and let me know you're listening on Instagram. When was the last time you voluntarily walked into a situation that you knew you would be super uncomfortable with? I know it's scary. It takes courage but it will be worth it and will teach you so much about yourself. Remember everyone, you are more capable than you think you are. Go out on a limb, take that adventure, have that experience, enter yourself into Miss Nevada. (laughs) Okay, maybe not that, but if we begin to evaluate why we're afraid of certain things or what would make us uncomfortable about them, we can begin to determine if that's something that would benefit us if we worked on that thing or not. If we determine that it would benefit us if we overcome that fear, then it's that thing, it's that situation, it's that experience that will allow you to grow and develop the most. Thanks so much for listening. Keep taking consistent action every single day. Now it's time to go out and upgrade yourself today to get closer and closer to your best you.